Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 You've heard both those sounds, I'm sure. How would you like to sound like that? With my children I was often a resounding gong. My words seemed to fall on deaf ears because there were so many of them. A friend of mine who's a behavioral specialist says, If you have to keep repeating yourself, ask yourself, Why? If my children ignores me over and over again, is it completely his fault, or should I be looking at how I'm trying to get through to him? Obviously, a switch has been flipped off. A voice that goes on and on and on does indeed begin to hurt the ear. When I change what I say, but not how I say it, can I still get through to my child? No matter how eloquently I speak, Paul tells us, unless I speak in love, I not only am nothing, I gain nothing. But can I always speak with love to my children? Why not? I find it curious that I treat someone I hardly know at all better than my children. I was watching a drama one night on TV, and the single mum had two boys, a preteen and teen. Whenever she spoke to them, she was abrupt and short. Every word she uttered was one of command or reprimand. In contrast, when she spoke to her customers and colleagues at work, she was much more friendly and polite. I caught myself thinking, if only she could hear herself when she spoke to her sons. It was as if she had little or no regard for them. A friend of mine asked me once what the most important aspect of Christianity was, and I immediately said love, and she disagreed with me, saying, belief in Jesus Christ. I still say love, because Jesus' overwhelming love for all he came in contact with drew people to him. Speak with love. Don't clang or gong. Hello, welcome to the Sociable Homeschooler. My name is Vivian McNenny, and I'm here to dispel the preconceived ideas many have about what educating our children at home looks like. For some, it's straightforward school. For me, it suited the maverick that lurked within when I decided I didn't want to miss anything my children were doing by handing them over to folk who weren't their mother. So we mixed it up and shared our time between books and play. Either way I look at it, it's all learning. Over the years, I've spoken to a wide range of homeschooling mothers and fathers, from the secular to the missionary, the academic to the child-led. For us, schooling becomes a suffix for home, boat, biking, and the world. You name it, we can find educational value anywhere. In my personal journey, I've used the tools God gave me to live my life fully. I've moved in and out of my comfort zones. Children will do that for you, gaining insights and delights along the way, which I'm happy to share with you. With or without my children underfoot, my life is often ordinary, always busy, and sometimes frustrating. But for me, it starts and ends with God. The beauty of his creation, silence, a starry night sky, a rousing piece of music, or a simple hug. If you pop by, I'll offer you a glass of sparkling water and a digestive biscuit with the local honey to tickle your taste buds, and thank you for staying, but I understand if I don't see you. You're on that side, and I'm over here broadcasting from Turkey Creek in Florida. 
After the first break, I'll be bringing you a conversation I had a few weeks ago with Andre Constantinescu, an extras casting director in Dallas, who will be talking about his passion for film and his fascinating career in the entertainment industry that supports both him and his wife. Stay right where you are. You won't want to miss a word. I'm all set, so grab whatever it is you're drinking and let me engage with the latest and greatest from the household of the McNinnies, where we're enjoying a pastoral life in an area where retirees are in the majority and I'll be looking at leaving children behind in education. Are you ready? We've tried a few shopping centres in the surrounding community and although they have familiar stores such as Penny's, Sears and Kmart, yep, haven't seen one of those in years, I find the apparel to be geared towards the older community. Comfort waistbands meaning elastic. I'm not going to wear elastic waist shorts. I had to hunt down another store that had young misses to find something more to my liking. I'm missing having my children in tow. Funny enough, I feel younger and more vibrant with them around. I've come to the conclusion about living in a sleepy community. While it's all right for the writing both of us want to accomplish, we do have an end date, which we hadn't had in the last two places we've been, so that's good. I could live out in the country if we were close to a bustling town where there were mixed age groups. You see, I'm very much in the mindset of multi-generational living. I'm experiencing firsthand what I've been talking about all these years, sending our children to schools where they're kept in peer groups, doesn't work. Neither does keeping retirees together in an assisted living home. At least not for me. I'm not retired, but most of this community is, and I'm missing young families, middle-aged professionals, and even college students. My blue-eyed cowboy and I were talking about this boating group we're among. Obviously, everyone loves messing around on water, something we like to do occasionally, but it isn't our life. We asked ourselves, what would be our perfect settling ground? A theatrical community? That would definitely bring in a wide range of ages and types. Think artistic, not a commune, but a place where the arts are the main thrust of the town's focus. Of course, London sprang to mind, and I thought, hardly the tropical island or the rolling countryside either of us had as um, dreams for our retirements. But how things change? We've been cosmopolitan people for longer than we were anything else. Now, our joint ideal place would be a city with lots of cultural events happening, but not just any old cultural events. Professional high-class exhibits, performances, educational happenings, fairs, markets, eclectic restaurants with good standards and, of course, corresponding people to keep us company if and when we found we needed other motivation. Well, that description doesn't really sound like a sleepy, quiet place to go and live out our lives in harmony, does it? But I think we're finding after six months of quiet living surrounded by retired couples, we want excitement and activity in our lives. I, for one, am not prepared to stop living as a youngster yet. Maybe my cowboy's tropical island will change my mind. Perhaps the beach attracts all types. Um, we went to the local Episcopal Church on Sunday instead of the Catholic one where the organist was excruciatingly slow. Unfortunately, as at the one in East Texas, this church, the Episcopal Church, were having morning prayer because they didn't have a permanent priest. And with the summer just starting and sharing two priests, they couldn't always have a Eucharist. The space itself was pretty. There weren't any kneelers, just chairs, but we were greeted by several people even after we'd sat down. Name tags were written for us, my name badly misspelled, and we were asked to wear them. 
better than standing up and introducing ourselves, I suppose. The last two churches we've been to, it's been obvious that we were the only newcomers, and the priest looked at us somewhere in the middle of the congregation and asked if there were any visitors, and if so, to please introduce ourselves. We just pretended we didn't hear. Anyway, last Sunday we had to wear name tags. Mine misspelled. Oh, I've said that already. We were not left alone for a moment before the service. We were invited for coffee and refreshments afterwards, biscuits and gravy. My polite Texan declined. We left at the end, and I'm sure they'll think they've seen the last of us. There were no young people there. I tell a lie. There were two young boys, teens, I think. I asked my gentleman on the way to the car, How do you think they should have greeted us? They were all over us for ten minutes or more, and I was quite put off wanting to be inconspicuous, which is what I can be at our mega-Catholic church in Richardson, and at the cathedral in London, and even at St. George's in Beckenham, where we were left alone for a few weeks before gradually being approached. I suppose if there are any twenty or so in the congregation, their pulses begin to quicken at the sight of new faces. I think a small town will be very off-putting if there's no good nearby church. I was blessed in London." All this ruling out is working well. Sleepy towns with sleepy churches are not what we are looking for. And it's time for me to go on my first break. But before you go and replenish your drink, let me introduce you to my guest this week, Andre Constantinescu. Andre works as the Extras Casting Director for the TNT show Dallas, where he brushes shoulders with my children and my blue-eyed cowboy and me every once in a while. We're going to be talking about his career as part of a short series of shows where I'm going to be bringing you ideas that may spark an interest in your children or even in yourselves. Andre Constantinescu has always loved film and television. His mum says he loved TV even when he was very little and that around two or three years of age he was quoting lines from shows and recognising actors. He graduated from Louisiana Tech University with an MA in theatre. In the spring of 2011, Andre was hired to cast the extras for the Dallas pilot on TNT and his company Legacy Casting was officially born. Stay tuned and hear him speak about his career when I managed to snag him during his lunch break while he was at work at the stages in downtown Dallas. His office is a little noisy and you'll be able to hear activity going on in the background. It'll give you a real sense of life in the entertainment industry. And I'll be back in just a moment with my guest, Andre Constantinescu. How do you handle toddlers, teens and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Mark Lipinski is coming to Toginet. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski, a live two-hour show Wednesday afternoon starting at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. Creative Mojo. It's fun, entertaining, informative, inspirational, and illuminating. Lipinski has worked on such shows as Oprah, The View, The Joan Rivers Show, and Ricky Lake. He's busy, but he's got the drive to share with Creative Mojo, dedicated to the modern crafter and crafting lifestyle. Dive into the info and enjoy everything from celebs to entertainment news to recipes, quilting and needlework. Knitting, painting, woodworking, Christmas crafts, and so much more. This show boldly encourages you to discover and harness your own creative spirit by living creatively every day. For more on Mark and the show, check out MarkLipinski.com. Don't miss the fun. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski. Wednesday afternoon, starting at 3, 2 Central on Toginet.com. 
Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, Andre, welcome to my show. Thank you. I've uh, been wanting to be on for a long time. So well, good, good. You hear, you hear about us um, probably through my children. Andre um, works with my children down um, in, in Dallas. He works in Dallas on the show Dallas. But, you know, I'm going to let Andre tell you about that himself. But first off, as I've said, welcome. Let's talk about... Um, where you grew up, where does that fantastic last name comes come from? Oh, it's a Romanian last name. It's, uh, okay. I was born in Romania, and my oh. parents brought me over to the States when I was four years old, so that's pretty exciting. Okay, okay. And um, have you always known what you wanted to do ever since you were a young, young boy? I have always loved film and television, so yes, since I was a young boy, I wanted to be an actor or some somehow involved in TV, and yeah. so this has worked out perfectly. And were your parents supportive of that? Well, my dad's a doctor, and so he, I think for a long time, wanted me to be, to follow his footsteps into medicine. Mm-hmm. But early on, it became really clear that that's not my strong suit. So, All right. So, yes, um, for the most part, they've been very supportive, yeah. especially since... Yeah. Um, and- and do you have do you have lots of siblings? Did you have the typical upbringing? You know, went to went to school, had lots of family around. I have one sister. Mm-hmm. She is two years younger than me, and we've been very close. And yes, lots of family. We have um, a lot of close knit aunts, uncles, grandfather, grandmother um, on both sides. So yes, we've been close knit all all my life. And so, are they in Romania? Did they come to America or just spread across the world? Some of them, that a little of all of that. We have some family in America and some in mm-hmm. Romania, mm-hmm. and then a couple in Germany and other parts of the world as well. Yeah. London. And, and you, you travel there a lot? I, I don't travel as much as I should. I used to before I got super busy with, with work and life and yeah. got married. Yeah. But, but yeah, I, I have traveled to see all my family and all the various parts of the world they live in. Well, let's talk a little bit about um, your childhood dream of being in, what, film? Is that what you wanted to do first off? Yes, ma'am. Film? Okay, so how how did that that show itself when you were younger and went while you were at school? That's a great question. I I took an interest to community theater really early, Mm -hmm. so we would see plays and I would just be astounded by it or watch TV and think, I want to be on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I was always entertaining people in, in the house and things like that. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how it manifested itself mm-hmm. at, at an early age. And then when I got into high school and middle school, I started performing in theater productions um, at, at, mm-hmm. you know, at the school. Mm-hmm. So did you well, you said your parents came here from from Romania. Where did you? Where actually did you grow up? They came to Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania. and so we for a year. I lived in Philadelphia, uh-huh. and then we came here to Garland, Texas. Actually, okay. After that, okay. and then when I was 
12 or 13, we moved to Louisiana. Okay, okay. Because our family grew up in Garland, and we did the community theatre. Oh, how interesting. You know, so um, we actually, the children performed. I mean, there there was no keeping them off the stage. So as soon as they could audition, they were auditioning. That's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Similar to me. Did you do that as a child? Um, in the, did you actually perform in a community theater as a child or not? I think some church productions, not so okay. much okay. community theater. All right. But de- definitely some um, church plays and things like that. Yeah. And then did you go, did you go to college, Andre? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you said that you started performing there. Is that right? I performed in high school mm-hmm. and decided to major in history in college okay so i would go to the theater and but i wouldn't i had not auditioned until my senior year and then i auditioned for a play and i did something in theater that year and kind of decided i'm gonna just really enjoy my senior year and take an acting class and do some things i hadn't previously done in college okay um and i really enjoyed it so much that i wanted to pursue getting a master's in the theater which is what i eventually did you did do that okay so your love of film and wanting to be an actor and and be in film you didn't actually start to practice that desire until you were older until you'd almost finished with college well you're you're, you're now taking your master's um in theater and um, so, so what were you doing? I mean, what kinds of jobs did you have to support you at college? What What did you do when, if you weren't acting, apart from probably watching lots and lots of films? As far as jobs go, mm-hmm. they weren't in the theater department or anything like that. Okay. Um, I did. I was an RA, a residential assistant there uh-huh. in college, uh-huh. and so I helped take care of the students when I could um, and that's kind of what I did to make some extra money yeah. and to get free housing which was great Okay. Um, and then I did some other random jobs on, on campus I worked in the foreign language lab um, as a student student uh, worker and then eventually when I did start my masters in theater I Board in the box office, the theater box office. Okay. So that was pretty fun. Okay. And when did you start earning a living doing what you dreamed? I, good question. I started as a radio DJ. Okay. After I graduated college. And so that was kind of, I felt like I was a little bit on my path. But during that radio job, which was a part-time job, I, the film industry had started coming to the to Louisiana after Hurricane Katrina, so they had been filming in South Louisiana and New Orleans, and then the hurricane hit, and they started doing casting calls at our mm-hmm. college, mm-hmm. and so I went to put my name in for a background actor for an extra, uh-huh. and they called me about a month later, and I was so excited, and. That's probably when I started, quote, making a living doing what I wanted to do is uh-huh. when I started doing extra work. Okay. It was so fun to be on set, and I just really enjoyed it. Probably similar to how um, your daughter feels 
when she comes to set as well. Yeah, yeah, and and actually, when when you're actually working in something that you're passionate about, it doesn't really feel like work, does it? Exactly, it's <laughs> a lot of fun. You can come early and stay late and still really enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, and it just it just oh, excuse me, it just doesn't seem as though. Um, you're working and there are so many people out there that you know sort of go to work and they're miserable at work and, and you go i love my job well right you know, we're, we're just the, the lucky few so we're, we're really blessed because there aren't that many of us out there okay so um new orleans casting you were an extra and i know that um my daughter does a little bit of extra work but Mm-hmm. what she does doesn't make her enough money to pay the rent right. so were you doing a lot no no it was it was i was still working in in the radio station at that time okay and they so paid when, and, and you got paid at the radio station i obviously. got paid but yeah. very little i mean it was i know it's not enough to make a, a true living on no. like i was living with my sister and um and just would share the rent together and things yeah. like that and uh, all this time, your parents are probably going, well, you've got a perfectly good history degree. Come on, why don't you just go do that? <laughs> exactly. Definitely. <laughs> so what would you do? What were you going to do with you? Why did you choose history? I was going to be a teacher. Okay. And okay. so I thought. So you, you, know, still have, but you still have the ability. I mean, you could still do that. You have a master's now, so you correct. can go teach in a college probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So that's good. You've got your day job to fall back on. <laughs> right. right. But you don't have to do that because um, what happened after New Orleans and, and um, doing some extra work, what, what happened then? Well, I moved to Shreveport mm-hmm. and a gentleman who had been casting me as an extra mm-hmm. uh, began to teach an acting class and he asked and he sent out a big email to his database and said, I'm teaching an acting class. Uh-huh. You'll have to audition to get uh-huh. to get into the class. And so I did an audition, a monologue, and he, you know, welcomed me into the class. And after, and it was a, a, a really fun class, actually, where I met a lot of good friends that are still friends of mine. And he, months later, started his own casting company and one random day said, like, called me and said, can you come and just answer phones and I'll pay you, like, $50. But, like, my assistant just quit, and so... We're really slammed. Uh-huh. So I went into his office and started answering phones and kind of casting, helping cast extras. It was really fun. And he asked me to kind of stay on for the rest of that show. I was working another job and I got a leave of absence, quote unquote, leave of absence um, from that job. And, and then we just kept working. It was 2008, uh-huh. end of 2007, beginning of 2008. Uh-huh. And we worked that whole year. I felt like we would never stop working, which I loved. Um, and so that's kind of how we started. All right. And then from there, what happened? From there, in 2009, uh-huh. the kind of financial crisis hit and people stopped making movies and we had the writer strike as well. And so there was a, a really long dry spell. I was kind of like, oh no, yeah. it's time to start my start a second plan for my life. Like, mm-hmm. It was it was not a good time after that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, 
eventually the productions came back. Um, and I continued to work until I met my then, well, I met my wife, mm -hmm. a lady who would be eventually become my wife. Mm -hmm. um, and she lived in Dallas, and I thought, oh, if I want to be with her, I really might need to think about moving to Dallas. Mm -hmm. And I started sending out applications to casting companies, and nobody was hiring or would return my phone calls or anything. Mm -hmm. um, one nice lady did, Kina Bale, who's a local casting director here in Dallas. Mm -hmm. And finally, she, she called me one day. She just got a big project, needed an assistant that was experienced. And so um, she called me, and I interviewed, and we did notes. We were a good match right off the bat. Right. And so I became her assistant. Okay. And eventually she left the show that we were working on because she was too busy with other projects, side projects. Huh. Um, they hired another extras casting director. Mm -hmm. I was her assistant. Our show, Lone Star, got canceled. And so I went with the other casting director to her show, Chase. Because mm -hmm. at that time, there were three TV shows in Dallas going on um, that all didn't make it for one reason or another. And then she had been doing this for a long time, Walker, Texas Ranger, and Prison Break, and mm -hmm. was kind of burned out on the extras casting world because it can be, it's a lot of fun, but it can be wearing on you. If mm -hmm. you get a lot of phone calls, you get a lot of emails, it seems like it never ends sometimes. Mm -hmm. And she decided to kind of retire. Um, and she had met me and she felt like I was a really good like really ready to take my next step and really encouraged me to start my own company. Mm -hmm. And then Dallas came along and they, and she said, you know, I, she received a call to work on it. And she said, I'm, I don't think I'm doing it, but let me give you a reference to Andre. He's a really great guy and does a good job. And so mm -hmm. I'm very thankful to her. Debbie, uh, Debbie Michaelis was her name. Uh -huh. She, kind of paved the way for me to begin my own casting company. So that was kind of how it all started. Right. Wow. So you actually went off completely the deep end and went into business for yourself. <laughs> yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Now, um, was there much of a, you know, for my listeners who are, you know, sort of homeschool parents and they're, and they're listening mm -hmm. to their children's ideas and that, and we all go, oh, my goodness, mm -hmm. I hope that works out, you know, as if it's, as if we're responsible right. as the parents. But, you know, here you mm -hmm. are, and um, you decided that, well, I'll, I'll start my own business. Was there a lot of um, monetary outlay to do that? I mean, or did you just need a computer? For what I do, there's not, excuse me, I'm chewing on a top drop and I'm about to swallow it. <laughs> so if you heard any crunchy crunch, that's what I'm <laughs> um, There's not a lot of... I mean, there's a bit of expense mm -hmm. as an overhead mm -hmm. because everybody needs a website. And yeah. I feel like you can't be really legitimate without having one. Yeah. So you need to hire, or we had hired a graphic designer and a website developer. Mm -hmm. um, and that was primarily what, and then you, you do need a good laptop or a good computer mm -hmm. um, and a good Wi-Fi connection. So you do need to pay for your, mm -hmm. your bills every month. Mm -hmm. Um Besides that, for what I do, you don't need a whole lot besides that. But, I mean, we're at the point now that we'll 
we do need to open up our own office. We have we're kind of working out of different production offices, which is great. And I think yeah, yeah. As long as we can do that, that it's wonderful. But we're kind of taking on a couple more projects, so it's become more necessary to open up yeah. our own office, which yeah. brings now, a whole new set of expenses. Okay, so in there somewhere between your 2009 and right. now, you married. You got married. Yes, in t- okay, 2010. So when- when did you get married? October tenth, two thousand ten. Uh-huh. So it's um Okay. <laughs> ten 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 was the year. No excuses, Andre. <laughs> you exactly. can't forget that. <laughs> right. All right. And your wife, now does, was she was she in the same business or does she oh, do something more sane? Much more sane. She yeah. at that time was a third grade teacher. Uh-huh. She has done fifth grade and third grade teaching for about 11 or 12 years now and now she's an instructional specialist in McKinney okay so she's um, teaches her school the teachers in her school better teaching methods and um, does standardized testing and things like that okay so she's away from the children now and more in with the teachers okay right Okay, wonderful. Well, Andre, we have to go on a short break. And when we come back, I want you to tell me um, the job that you're doing now. And we'll get more into the details of um, how casting director works. So we're just going on a short break. And we'll be back. Andre and I are talking about uh, the um, entertainment industry. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler. And we'll be right back after these. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lipman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. Right, I'm talking to Andre. And Andre, you say your last name because I'm sure you'll say it a whole lot better than I do. Constantinescu. Constantinescu. Okay. I'm talking to Andre and he is um, on the set of a show that, gosh, it first aired many, many moons ago when I was just a baby. Um... (laughs) And it's come back to um, huge success and um, has hit the younger generation now. So it's, it's, it's rather interesting how it's come almost full circle. So, Andre, tell us about um, this, this coup that started you into your own business. Well, uh, the TV show I, I've already mentioned, but just in case you're catching this late or 
have dozed off or something. Mm -hmm. um, it's Dallas for TNT. It's mm -hmm. worldwide. So wherever you're listening from, I'm sure it's airing in your, um, or will air really soon. Mm -hmm. um, so what I do, I'm the extras casting director, mm -hmm. which means I'm in charge of casting all the non-speaking roles on the show. Um, it's a, a really fun job. Sometimes we episode that will air today in America tonight at 8 p.m. or 9 p.m., depending on what time zone you're in, um, is a big wedding episode. Mm -hmm. So on the scenes like that, I'm casting hundreds of people. Mm -hmm. um, then we have some scenes that are very small, like two or three or one mm -hmm. person, depending on what, what the needs are in the script. So every day is, is a different, kind of a different animal as far mm -hmm. as what I'm doing on a day-to-day -day job, but it's all dealing with non-speaking roles on this TV show, and then I have worked on a couple others as well. So what what instructions do they give you? Okay, Andre, we need 100 people. Do they say specifics, ages, demographic? What, what, what do they give you? Every director is a little bit different. Okay. So just so to, get, to walk you through a, a process, mm -hmm. we get a script about seven to eight days before filming starts. Okay. And we'll read the script and have a concept meeting. And that concept meeting, it's a chance for all the department heads to get together and talk about their specific department and with the director. And okay. the director kind of lays out his or her vision for what they desire um, the episode to be like. Okay. So that being said, sometimes he'll in that meeting you'll get some nuggets of oh so the wedding guest should be high end 20s to 50s based on what he said mm -hmm. and sometimes he'll say oh we should have some of the 60 to 80 year olds that have that worked at the last time we did a wedding scene or something like that mm -hmm. um, and then I'll kind of have I'll know what we're looking for based on those meetings and okay. we'll also do individual department meetings with the director and so then you can talk about much more specific things. Sometimes in those general meetings, you don't have time to ask mm -hmm. really specific questions because everybody's there and you don't want to monopolize the director's time by asking your exact things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so you'll have your own meeting where you can ask a lot of more questions. Um, and so yeah, they'll usually tell you um, a gender breakdown, how many men, how many women, mm -hmm what ethnicities, what age groups, things like that. And sometimes you just kind of know from having done it so much that you shouldn't have all women in a scene. You shouldn't have all men in a scene. They should be a variety of ages. They should be, um, they shouldn't all be the same ethnicity unless that's like, unless it's set in, you know, Nazi Germany or Mississippi in the sixties. And then it's a plot point that, everybody is the same race or mm -hmm. gender. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of how it works. Okay, and then where do you go from there? You don't you don't run auditions for these extras? Usually not. I mean, depending on... We're doing a scene today that will air... Or a scene in a couple of days that will air in the summer. Mm -hmm. And there there's a little boy that is a very featured extra that I did have to bring him into audition. I put him on tape. Okay. Um, doing some things and sent my videos off to 
um, Los Angeles, and I'm waiting to hear back on what they think of, and who they want to cast for that. Usually I don't need to do that, but there are times when you would put somebody on tape. In general, it's your casting based on the look. So I'll ask for pictures, or now we have an online database where people can sign up and upload their own pictures. One of the, the reasons for this online database is because people's pictures are constantly changing. Yes. Or people's, you know, get their hair cut or uh-huh. dye their hair, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. So this online database, you can change your own photos rather than having to email every couple of months with new pictures. Okay. Um, when you get new headshots, you can log into your account and change your photos. So that's one of the advantages. All right. So then you send out emails to all of these yes. people saying, you know, this is the call. And right. people respond and you either say yes or no to them. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, in the old, in the days before our database, and our, just so you know, it's mycastingfile.com. It's a free online website that you can get signed up on. Mm-hmm. Um, so if anybody is interested, they can mm-hmm. get signed up there. Mm-hmm. Um before my casting file, we would send hundreds of emails or make phone calls yeah. um, and say, are you, dear, you know, dear Bill, are you available for the 3rd of January or whatever the date is? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes those dates change. We'll, we'll keep a spreadsheet of who's booked on what days and then yeah. the yeah. days change. We'll just email that whole group and say, I'm sorry, your date has changed. Mm-hmm. Please reply back if you're available. This is a new date. Um, so that's kind of the process. Now, yeah. for my casting file, it's a little bit easier yeah. and more streamlined. And so, you're, so you've got your large group of people, and you probably have, you personally aren't answering all of those emails. You have a staff at this point. What, at what point did you have to start bringing people in to help you? Well, when I started Dallas, I brought in Robin. Mm-hmm. Um, she had been an extra on the other shows that I had worked on, mm-hmm. on Lone Star and Chase and she a little bit towards the end of uh, those shows when you need like an extra hand on set I, I called her in and she did a good job and so um, that's how I found her yeah. Yeah. and and so that's when I, I was like oh I guess I'll have to start hiring somebody yeah. and for her or for Dallas is not as even though there are lots of extras Mm -hmm. it's not such a big show that you need a ton of staff every day on that show so I have been able to do a lot of it on my own and then I have a budget to bring in Robin or another assistant in as needed Um, and my wife does work with me as well we did the movie Olympus Has Fallen Uh that filmed in Shreveport Louisiana two years ago Uh Um, and so over, over the summertime, she's my assistant. She does a great job. She's awesome. Yeah. And okay. um, she's learning about the film industry. Yeah. We did a couple movies last summer as well that she assisted me on. So, um, so yeah, we still, we're still we still thriving in Louisiana and Texas. So we're blessed for that. Isn't it? All right. So in your, in your um, time that you've spent doing this and working towards your own, did you dream that you would have your own company or did you just want to be a casting director? Mm, I, it's a great question. I I never really dreamed that it would that I would go this route. Yeah. But I'm thankful for it, and I I love 
I enjoyed so much working as a background actor when I was yeah. a background actor that I love to give new people that same experience yeah. And yeah. to let them realize, oh, wow, I do matter on set and this is yeah. really yeah. fun and the movie or TV show would look kind of funny if I wasn't here. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So it's it's kind of a, it's not always the most fun job, but I I try to make it as fun as possible. Mm-hmm. And so and- now I wouldn't trade it for anything even though it wasn't kind of my initial vision. Yeah. Uh, and and what did you learn in the process about yourself? Hmm. What did I learn about myself? Sounds to me as though you needed to be hugely organized. Were you an organized <laughs> person? <laughs> um, no. And I am still, it's not my strongest suit. I try to surround myself with, with organized people because I'm not yeah. naturally organized. Uh-huh. Um, but, but I learned that I would rather be working in film than not working in film. Okay. And I learned that what a collaborative industry it is, even though when, before you join the film industry, you probably kind of believe everybody's best friends and that they, that everybody knows each other. And then when you start your job, you're like, there are hundreds of people here. I don't know everybody, and it's going to take me years to learn who everybody is. Mm-hmm. But it's still a very everybody has a really important job to do, whether it's in the limelight or not in the limelight. And so that's a really interesting thing that I learned uh, yeah. for myself as well. I also learned that I'm a hard worker. Yeah. I, yeah. In high school and middle school, college, I didn't. "Quote unquote," apply myself the way I should have, mm-hmm. but coming to work every day and keeping the long hours we keep, and um, I've learned that it is that I am a hard worker. It just takes something special to, to motivate me, I guess. Okay, so what advice would you give to a young person who said that this is what they wanted to do, and um, you know? What what would you say? Would you would you say, well, you know, you need to go to college and maybe get a degree in this just in case that doesn't work? Or would you say, just go for it, but you need to make sure that you do, and what would that be? Well, I think that for somebody who's trying to go into acting or any kind of production work, I would tell them to have a thick skin because it takes a lot of times of hearing no before somebody says yes and uh-huh. gives you a job or gives you an opportunity to to actually work as a paid uh-huh. um, employee or a crew member of, of a show um, or an actor for that reason for that matter. So try to get experience as you can by maybe volunteering for free to do things or um, doing independent projects on your own yeah. just so you can have that experience Um and then also I would give the advice of you're not going to make a lot of money in the beginning. So if that's something that's important to you, you're going to need to figure out another way to supplement your income. Um, see lots of people that have done film work for years that are still at it uh-huh. and they are growing and they are um, doing their own projects or they if they're background actors, sometimes some of them have now had speaking roles because they've had 
so many, they've made so many connections on their film sets okay. or, um, or they're doing their own projects that uh-huh. are keeping them sharp and ready. Um, or even they are getting other positions on, on TV shows or um, films in, as production assistants or as even like other jobs like craft service or um, other film jobs, which I think is pretty impressive. It's just because they've been around for so long and have made those contacts. Yeah, so, and I, I think the thing is that until you actually get into the industry, you have no idea what's involved and what exactly. other avenues you can, what other avenues you can um, follow. And maybe you know you might go into it thinking, well, this is what I want to be. I want to you know act, and then you suddenly right. realize, oh my gosh, look at what's going on over here. That's much more interesting. That that seems as though something that would suit me much better. Right. And it sounds as though. Your casting, although casting is something that you you wanted to do, and you you wanted to be involved in films as an actor, but um, once you found out what was what other things were out there, you know that that's what lured you, yeah. Right, exactly, exactly. It's just being involved and in yeah, staying in the industries. Yeah, the the most important thing to me. Now, Andre, um, what what do you see in your future? Where are you going? I know Dallas is getting ready to wrap up here. Where when are they doing? First week in April, yeah. I think. Yeah, yes. first week of April. That's right. Yeah, and um, if they get renewed for a, another season, I suppose mm-hmm. um, that'll be you. So, what do you I do so. during those downtimes? And obviously, you can't. I mean, Dallas isn't going to be here for years and years and years. So, what do you right. see in your future? Well, it's a good question. It's a lot of trusting the Lord and just trying to uh-huh. take a day at a time. Yeah. At, at any moment, your phone can ring and a, a big production could be coming your way. So I don't ever want to take it for granted that I am currently working. But any moment, I, I know from my previous experiences of what it's like to be on a show. And then the next two days later, they said, okay, um, we are pulling the plug. So you have two days to wrap up. And then... Yeah. Yeah. You're no longer employed. Yeah. So that can happen to anybody. Yeah. Um, but so you, I'm just always looking out to see what other productions might be coming. Um, usually because the film industry is kind of a tight knit community, mm-hmm. you start to hear rumors of, oh, I hear there's a, another show coming. And then you kind of find out through the grapevine who is hiring the people for mm-hmm. that show and you mm-hmm. send them your resume. Um, and so I do that often even when I am working because you don't ever know exactly what the future will hold Um, so this summer I'll I'll be working on a couple other projects that are not Dallas Uh and just kind of hoping to see what happens next and always in the back of my mind and my wife's mind is do if all the shows tax incentives in Dallas go away will we need to move to Los Angeles or New York or yeah. some other place to continue to, to work yeah. in this field. So these are things that we talk about all the time. Yeah, that was um, going to be that was going to be a question. I mean, how necessary is it for you to be in L.A. or New York? Uh, right now, it's not necessary, no? but Mm-mm. but because of the way that TV shows and films are made these days, mm-hmm. there's lots of independent productions. There's yeah. also lots of. Um, People that are coming are kind of leaving Los Angeles to make films in other places because of the tax incentives yeah. that are in place in other states. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so we're definitely 
blessed in that regard that we have a mobile casting company that if we do need to do jobs in another place, we can. Um, but we're really happy when productions come here so we can stay and work in the same place we live. Well, Andre, thank you so much for talking to me um, today, this afternoon. I've been talking to Andre Constantinesco, and yeah. um, he's, he's the casting director for X Extras on the show Dallas mm-hmm. and other things. He does, he does a lot of independence, and um, I will have his website and, and his links up on my, on my front radio page and on my website itself. So, Andre, thank you so much. You have a You're wonderful welcome. rest of your day there thank at you. The, the busy, busy Dallas office. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> thank you so much. Bye. Oh, my pleasure. Have a good day. Thank you. Bye. Okay, bye. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Hi everybody, this is Pete Six of Beatles and Beyond. Why don't we all come together and hear some of the tracks off the latest Beatles release on this radio station. Why don't you look up the schedules on this radio station and join me and Beatles listeners everywhere to hear these latest releases from the Beatles on Beatles and Beyond with Pete Dix. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. I was talking to Andre Constantinescu, and I hope you enjoyed our conversation recorded about six weeks ago. Andre has always loved film and television. One of his earliest memories is entertaining his extended family with stories and jokes and wondering what else he could do or say to make them laugh. For as long as he can remember, he's known he's wanted to be an actor or work in the film industry, and hard work and perseverance finally paid off. He worked for Glorioso Casting, assisting and coordinating the extras for several projects. He also cast the principal roles for some non-union short films, and worked as an actor including a role in Beyond a Reasonable Doubt. In the fall of 2009, he moved to New Orleans to cast with Coulon Casting, His experience there gave him another view of extras casting and paved the way for his future move to Dallas, Texas. In the spring of 2011, Andre was hired to cast the extras for the Dallas pilot on TNT and Legacy Casting was officially born. Pop on over to his site, linked on my front page at Toginet and on my website, The Sociable Homeschooler, to find out more. I loved the way Andre encouraged everyone to keep moving towards his or her dream. Don't take no for an answer. Persevere, develop a thick skin. Good lessons for every walk of life. And as homeschoolers, we know that once our children are fully invested in what they want to do, there's no stopping them. Do you ever ask the question, how important is an education anyway? 
There are four teachers in my group of close friends, and we've been known to talk about the No Child Left Behind Act, which means that schools have to reach standards in basic skills in order to receive funding. A negative result is that states can lower their achievement rates so that more children can pass the standardized tests, and teachers are motivated to teach to these tests. As homeschoolers, we keep on training and questioning, practicing and testing until our child grasps the material. Before we move on, we don't lower the passing grade so that they can move on. If we carried on before they were proficient, we all know the result. How can our child stand alone if he's not given the tools to do so? And once given the tools, how can he use them if he hasn't isn't shown and guided until he's confident? One of my friends said she wished some children could be left behind. In England, these children who aren't academic whizzes can opt to go to technical schools at sixteen. If they don't want to do that, they can jump onto the workforce bandwagon. Although I do believe that's changing, and compulsory education of one sort or another is going to be extended to eighteen, some may immediately join the dole, a welfare program where the unemployed are handed money each week forever if they so desire. Oh, this is just a quirk of the British socialised system. Although it does happen here too, I believe, knowing how to work the system. But hey, we're talking about technical schools, not welfare systems, and whether it would be okay to leave some children behind. There are vocational programs at some public schools here, but the rub is their test scores are being compared with those of the magnet schools in the same district. And of course, because vocational programs attract less academically minded students, the school's government funding is being affected as test scores suffer. The government doesn't seem to want to adjust funding accordingly, so these particular schools are struggling financially, and we all know what that means: less discipline, more problems, and eventual closure. When will the administrators recognise that not every child has the same interests or brain functions? In validation of what I was feeling, I came across an article by author Linda Dobson, who has also been on my show. Check her out, March eighteenth, twenty eleven. The homeschooling movement has grown over the past fifteen years, while on the other hand, nothing much has changed on the public school front, with the exception that what was once bad is now worse. In her article, "Those Who Don't Learn from History," she notes, "The National Center for Educational Statistics reports that in the fall of 2009, 49.8 million children were enrolled in U.S. elementary and secondary schools, with a 15 to 1 teacher-student ratio." Well, actually, it was student-teacher ratio. We've watched Goals 2000 morph into No Child Left Behind with its legislative command that all kids would be proficient in reading and mathematics by 2014, which has now morphed into Race to the Top. With each evolution, the federal government took what wasn't working, changed its name, and added more of it. Linda Dobson's observation that during her 15-plus years of homeschooling, vast advances have been made in technology stares us in the face when we consider that these advances have made it into our living rooms, basements, and kitchens, but haven't made it into the public school classrooms. Linda continues, and I quote. If the American schooling system has been unable to improve over the last fifteen years in a time of relative economic plenty, immense technological advances, and access to a world of knowledge, if not as close as the living room computer, then at least as close as the nearest library, it is not going to improve today, tomorrow, or during the lifetime of any child living today. Indeed, I see a schooling system that has deteriorated to a point where it can no longer be maintained, because it hasn't kept up with information technology. It's also become totally 
obsolete. Linda Dobson continues, We're being told by those in the know to become self-sufficient in every aspect of our lives, to prepare for an uncertain future. Every aspect, that is, except children's education. Please think about adding consideration of homeschooling to your list of self-sufficiency practices. Providing your child a real education instead of schooling could enrich his life forever. In my positive thinking mode, I ask, what can I do about that? My goal is to encourage parents through this show and my website to consider homeschooling as a viable choice for their child's education. Linda Dobson's book, The Art of Education, Reclaiming Your Family, Community and Self, is now available as an e-book. And with that, I've rushed through yet another hour talking about education, the entertainment industry and homeschooling. I can hear doves and cardinals and I feel quite at home with the familiar bird song. I think we're going to try riding our bikes with the dogs this weekend. I have a basket on mine in case little sweetie gets tired. I wonder how far we'll get and what happens if they want to stop for a sniff. Thank you for listening to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNenny, and I'll be back same time, same place next week. Without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband, who believes in love at first sight. My, the hard-working staff at Toginet Radio, my producer Sabrina, my guest this week, Andre Constantinescu, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Hannah, Joel, Anne, Rosemary, Kathleen, Esme, Millicent, Margaret, Jacob, Walter, Jane, Olivia, Tina, and oodles of others who are part of my growing audience. Stay tuned all the time and catch lots of great shows to help you through your day. Take care and be safe. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Doop, doop, doop. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNenny on Toginat. The Sociable Homeschooler is Vivian's attempt to help dispel the stereotypical homeschool family. She and her husband have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who are willing guinea pigs for her foray into homeschooling, the Wildflower Academy, which flourished for 15 years. Vivian is here to be an encourager to all of you who are thinking of homeschooling. Plus, you'll have some great ideas on homework, vacations, keeping science projects in the house, and being popular versus popularity. So, we'll see you here next Friday for another engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNenny. Friday afternoons at 5, 4 central on toginet.com.